Hi, spooky idiots. It's What's us, up? your favorite dickheads <laughs> at Spooky Bitch Gang Podcast. Well, at least we better be your favorite dickheads. If there's another one. If not, one. send it through. <laughs> Crystal at SpookyBitchGang.com. Tell me who's a better dickhead. I was just thinking today about how I haven't accessed my Spooky Bitch Gang email account in a while. Doesn't it link directly to your email? No. Oh. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Don't send anything to him. Maybe you have all this fan mail waiting for you. That's what I was pictures, thinking. Pictures like drawings of you naked and stuff. Yeah, probably. Wouldn't be the first time. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> today's a special episode. Yeah, we have a special guest here, uh, Felix Hubble. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Um, I dispute your claim about favorite dickhead. I think I'm a bigger dickhead than both of you, but sure. I'll okay, well, <laughs> maybe you Felix maybe... is going to be your favorite dickhead. Yeah, now. he might be at the end yeah. of this episode. That's acceptable. You can have three favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the reason Felix is here is because Felix is the programmer of Static Vision, which you may have heard of. Um, I actually have a little anecdote about the first time Crystal and I encountered Static Vision was about two years ago. We were doing an episode. It was our second episode ever on Ooh, Body Horror. Nice. And we came and saw Existence, the David Cronenberg movie. Hell yeah. And you were there, Felix. So I absolutely was. Full circle now. <laughs> that movie That's was it. fucked up. That movie's sick. <laughs> Love that movie. I don't think Crystal liked that movie. No, terribly, I hated but... it. I was really disturbed, but um, it was a great screening and it made for a really good episode. Well, excellent. Yeah. My yeah. pleasure. Um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Static Vision. Yeah, sure thing. So um, Static Vision kind of started in uh, my living room with um, Connor Bateman, who's my co-programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to do some writing for 4.3, which is like a film publication, which also started from our living room. Um, after a while, we got kind of a bit bored of doing that and everyone was kind of going their own ways out of university. And we saw kind of a big gap in Sydney for a couple of things. Um, there was a lot of genre programming, but it was a lot of the same films over and over again. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of films that were missing out uh, on playing Sydney that we thought were really good from the international festival market. Uh, So they wouldn't play at Sydney Film Festival, which has limited slots and kind of a particular interest to their -hmm. programming. Um, We kind of wanted to augment that and supplement that and then worked out that it was actually financially feasible to break even. You couldn't make money, (laughs) but you could break even uh, with a lot of effort. Um, So that's kind of how that all came about. So yeah, I started taking over... um, Friday nights at Palace Central for mm-hmm. Palace Cinemas with the 666 Fridays. Um, did that for about a year. And then along the way, we were also doing monthly screenings here and there. But that's the start. Right. That's the dream. Yeah, yeah that's actually so inspirational. Freaking <laughs> people out, playing weird movies yeah. and breaking even. Like, <laughs> yeah, what absolutely. more could you want? <laughs> absolutely. So Static Vision has a bit of a home now, right? Pink Flamingo? Yeah, America? Pink Flamingo is our like, uh, natural home in Sydney. It's run by Ingrid Diegman, who is an incredibly cool... Uh, just a cool individual in sort of the broader Sydney like queer scene, protest scene, everything else. And they uh, run the Pink Flamingo uh, Cinema at Mothership Studios, which uh, for us is kind of a perfect venue because we really like playing with aesthetics and creating a certain vibe for a screening. And it's you can do it within a cinema, but it's way better when you have a nice 100-seater converted warehouse that you can just deck out with whatever you feel like, fuck with all the lighting, (laughs) um, keep the drinks kind of cheap and, you know, really play with ticket prices, keep ticket prices low for people. So, you know, plenty of one in. Yeah, Love that. So um, the festival that you have coming up is Dreamscapes? Yeah, Dreamscapes. So another thing we wanted to do when we kind of started out with everything was retire our festival themes every single year. Just do something Mm. different or do a couple of festivals a year. So our first one was Hyperlinks, which was right before COVID shut everything down in February of last year. And that was all about the internet. So Dreamscapes was going to be our October festival, but now it is in 
May? May. <laughs> yeah. Our May festival. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's all about uh, hopes, dreams, um, and imagined worlds. It's kind of a broad take on the notion of dreamscapes. So it's both films which are sort of dreamy and aesthetic and also stuff that focuses directly on the notion of dreams. But, um, yeah, we tried to kind of curate two specific days. So, like, Saturday is sort of the... Uh, Fun day, I guess is how I'd term it. Sunday's also fun, but Sunday's more art housey um, focused. Whereas Saturday, you've got horror movies, you've got some American indies, uh, you've got SoundCloud rappers, you know, <laughs> just all sorts of um, cool stuff there. But um, yeah, we've definitely focused on trying to make it so that if you watch two films consecutively, they'll flow into each other thematically right. or logically. Um, so if you do a whole day, you'll kind of get this whole big idea around the concept. Um, yeah, which is, again, it's because we're small. It's like something fun that we can kind of play with that other yeah. groups kind of can't yeah. do. And you can't really get out of, you know, a film festival based around a particular country or a particular director or something like that. I mean, you do get themes through director's work. But yeah, when there's a broad body of work, mm. you don't get the concept of dreams you know, right. necessarily yeah and there are things other than films right you've got like a dj set yeah yeah so um we've got unique who is kind of the darling of jersey club the first um woman producer of jersey club um i've been a big fan of unique for years um and we've been talking about kind of collaborating on stuff for nearly about a year now um and she's gonna hook us up with a set uh, which will play opening night, um, which is really cool because she's in the US right now and we're in Australia. So it's like a nice little um, bridging of that. And we've also got a game space um, that's going to be curated by Serenade, who are a bunch of really cool like indie game producers and they're a little collective themselves. Um, they've been in touch with a lot of sort of the best games makers on the independent scene right now to kind of get a broad spectrum of games that sort of also reflect the theme and they're going to have their own designated space within the venue where people can go and check these games out incredible cool. this sounds like the greatest festival of all time yeah <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> when <laughs> is it please. on uh it's gonna be on uh may 14th to 16th although we do have a secret screening on the 13th of may if oh, anyone's around don't tell anybody what? yeah so that one's that one's gonna be free don't um, you know that at least 20 people listen to this podcast <laughs> yeah. secrets out secrets out we told them um no please bring everyone to that uh we've been seeking this japanese film for about a year it's not on disc it's not on digital it's never had a release you can't on torrents youtube anywhere Whoa. you look no usenet links nothing what did you do to get it <laughs> uh emailed persistently for eight to nine months um and then shipped in with three distributors to get the hd cam scanned so wow. we're going to be doing the first screening of that it's arriving in my inbox sometime in the next three days and i'm going to have to <laughs> manually subtitle it but Whoa, all right. it's going to be the first screening of that film in about seven years and the first from an hd master so um, won't tell anyone what the title is, but it's like weirdo Japanese stuff. Um, it's the sequel to something, but you won't have to have seen the first one. It's kind of sketch based. Um, okay. I haven't even seen it. I just know the <laughs> rep and I've got, uh, so many friends who are just like, this movie's incredible. Um, but yeah, that's how rare it is. As well. oh, so right. yeah, that wow. one's going to come out on Thursday, free screening. Is there a Pink chance Flingo. that watching it will put a curse on you? Uh, guaranteed. Okay. It absolutely. So into that. We'll, yeah. we'll turn up for yeah, sure. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> that story was kind of like the Evian water story from the fire festival documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I was expecting, but yeah. emails, yeah. that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Well, I promise this won't be the fire festival of festivals, but it might be. <laughs> and the only way you'll find out is if you come. So yeah. yeah. Everyone wished that they were there, honestly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
I mean, that would that honestly seems like a dream post-COVID to just be yeah. stuck on an island with horrible storms and tents, but a lot of people around. Yeah. A little bit of solidarity around that. A cheese sandwich. I yeah. love a cheese yeah. sandwich. At least the restaurants are open there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we know that a lot of weirdos listen to this um, podcast and they love weird stuff. Yeah. So I think yep. you should all, if you're in Sydney... Yeah. Or if you're willing to fly to Sydney and quarantine and then sneak out. Yeah, Sydney's not the I best don't place to travel to, to right that, now. But, but <laughs> yeah. um, if you're already here, that's probably yeah. more convenient. So, yeah, yeah please and come. Crystal and I will be there. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, you can meet your favourite dickheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of one of us is the favourite dickhead. One of the three. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so one of our favourite movies is playing Nightmare on Elm Street, which obviously fits into the dream yep. uh, mm-hmm. aesthetic. Um, what's your favorite film that's on the... Oh, look, I've been trying to bring Crestone out for over a year. So I've got to really be, give huge shouts to Crestone. It's, uh, Marnie Allen Hertzler's, uh, doco about a bunch of conspiracy theorists, SoundCloud rappers who grow weed and, uh, run a commune basically to exit from society. It's kind of a bit fiction, kind of a bit doco, um, kind of cool, kind of lame, um, but <laughs> in- really incredible sort of like uh, great shots of the landscape of Crestone. And just, I-, I feel like it's one of the few films that pretty accurately captures right now, like what it's like to be on mm. the internet, what subculture is doing. Um, yeah, I definitely think like a lot of documentaries, especially with funding models, kind of focusing more on uh, streaming services and stuff like that, which are a bit like Wikipedia pages to me. There's not many things that kind of really approach the tone of what it feels like to right. exist right now. And I feel like this isn't necessarily what it feels like for everyone to exist, but it, it does capture a community really well. So I, I really cannot recommend Crestone enough. Um, there's other really good stuff there as well. It looks really cool. I'm glad you said the thing about like part fiction because when yeah. I watched the trailer, I was like, is this real or is it not real? And I felt really stupid. <laughs> yeah. So now I feel a bit less stupid. Thanks. Yeah. I noticed reading the program, there's a lot of that stuff that kind of straddles the fiction documentary divide. Yeah, it's- definitely. Definitely. I think it's something that's really interesting to Connor and myself with um, programming uh, and looking at external festivals overseas. Like True False is one of my favorite kind of programs for doing that exact thing. But yeah, I, I feel like stuff that plays with the notion of uh, truth in a documentary context maybe reflects the format more because you're always mm-hmm. getting particular perspectives and stuff like that. So when people intentionally mess with that, it works really well. And especially for something like Dreamscapes where, right. you know, when you're thinking about dream logic and stuff like that, mm. it's so tied to your sense of reality or perception of reality in the moment. But on reflection is maybe, well, generally, obviously very not true. But right. we've all had the experience of like waking up really mad at um, a partner or something like that or a best friend or something yeah. from a dream and not being able to shake that for five days. Because you know on a metaphorical mm-hmm. level or a spiritual level that even though the reality is not reality, it is reality. It's true. We're <laughs> yeah. getting real deep today. Yeah, yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. This isn't your regular programming. This is just the beginning. Absolutely. It's absolutely. a real dream to have you here, Felix. Thanks very much for having me. <laughs> I do want to say as well with um with uh, our retros, so we've got the Nightmare on Elm Street on Saturday night, and that's going to be hosted by Alexei Toliopoulos from um, Total Reboot and all that stuff. Um, But yeah, with the our opening night and our closing night, we tried to form like a bit of a triptych. So it's like... uh. Paprika's like going into a dream and then Nightmare on Elm Street's kind of like being trapped in a dream and then waking life is kind of waking out of that dream. So wow. a little bit of a thing there. Yeah. So yeah, big really cool. on that. Come to every day. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to hawk tickets to the entire festival. You want to <laughs> yeah. be there every single day. Final screening of every day. But yeah. Great. 
Well, um, yes, it starts this coming Friday the 14th. Um, if you want to get tickets, I think the website is HTTPS colon forward slash <laughs> forward slash dreamscapes dot Sydney. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, and um, yeah, we'll be bringing it to Melbourne at some point this year. But... Oh. TBA, TBA. But okay. Sydney gets it first. So That's it. It's pretty great. Sydney always gets it first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, we're going to play some music, and Felix is actually going to stick around. There's going to be three people discussing our theme this very, time. Very spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Extra spooky. All right, we'll see you in a sec. We're back, and as you may have guessed, I know we say this every single fucking episode. If you you get you clicked on this episode, you know what the theme is. Yeah. But we always act like it's a fucking. Well, theme. that's what you're supposed to do in podcast land. That's the magic of cinema. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know what the theme is, so oh. you know this is a new one for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for your benefit, Felix, the theme is vampires. Oh wow, I've never seen a vampire film, but oh. I'll, I'll there make aren't that, that many. Of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't that's worry, fine. That's fine. they're just a couple. Yeah. Did We're... someone request this? Why are we doing this? I don't remember. Maybe yeah. if you requested this. Send an email to that email inbox that I don't this, use actually. anymore. Uh, I think someone on Instagram told us to do it, so we're doing it. So shut up. <laughs> big shouts to them. Big shouts Instagram. Go follow Spooky Bitch Gang. <laughs> yeah, and follow Static Vision too. Yeah, yeah. So. Unfollow Static Vision. <laughs> you yeah. can only follow so many. Yeah, true. Don't want to clutter the feed. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were when we were approaching the time to record this, Crystal turned to me one day and said, "Vampires are so hot." They are hot, but like that's part of vampire lore. Yes. Like everyone knows they're hot. They're supposed to be hot because they yeah. manipulate you and they like suck you in, right? They're not always hot. Was that like, a they pun? Weren't... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Nosferatu, like the vampire's not really hot. You know what I mean? No. But... Oh, I'm sure there's someone out there who oh. thinks that cattle lock is. Yeah. Sexy. He's got a bit of a Billy Corgan look with like long hey, fingers. True. You know, there's people who like Billy Corgan, probably. Yeah. yeah Billy Corgan's yeah. mum, probably. Yeah. 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 Um, but what you said on vampires being hot, um, there's this quote from, I love that. Okay. So there, there is a journal of Dracula studies and that's where I found this article, sex, blood, and undeath, the queer vampire in HIV. The act of feeding is typically portrayed as replacing or heightening sexual experience. Is that what you like? Is that the experience you've had watching vampire movies? What? What are you talking about? (laughs) Wait, the act of feeding. Yeah. Is typically portrayed as replacing or heightening sexual experience. Yeah, yeah, sounds kind of horny. Sounds kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, there is something very sensual, I guess, about those. Anytime you see like a, a scene of somebody like sucking somebody's blood, like it's very, yeah. it's like there's a an exchange of fluids. It's true. Yeah. Nothing sexier than that. <laughs> yeah, I, I have like some vague recollection from film studies. I'm probably completely wrong, but I think that they used to do vampire stuff because they couldn't show people kissing in movies. <gasps> oh, so you're allowed to show someone sucking somebody's blood yeah. instead? Yeah, because one of those like coded better. imageries, you know? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because normally, when do people have their first kiss? Not me, because I was really old. But I've never kissed, so okay. I couldn't say. Scott, like 13 or something, or like... 
Right. Or little kids have look, a kid. I don't this know. This is getting very personal. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, when was the first time you kissed her? <laughs> Do you actually want me to tell and you when, when I had And when was the first birth? time that you drank someone's blood? Which yeah. one came first? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've still never drunk someone's blood on purpose. Ooh. So. You know what? I have to have a little disclaimer. I'm not really good with blood. <laughs> it makes me feel very queasy. So if I go silent at any point, I've probably passed out. Yeah, okay. It might happen. I've been feeling really nauseous watching all these movies and like just kind of like... I don't know. It sounds kind of spooky. Yeah. yeah, it's very, it's too spooky for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one movie in particular we watched that where the sex and the feeding were just one and the same, which is Habit, yeah. Larry mm-hmm. Fessenden's movie from when was it? 1997? Six, six-ish, seven, somewhere around there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so this was actually your choice. Felix. Absolutely. Um, I love this movie. I, I love Larry Fessenden. I think the way he kind of like revives the Universal Monster stories in their own sort of like uh, deadbeat Brooklyn, you know, yuppie way is incredible. And I know it's like, you know, uh, white guy problem shit or whatever, <laughs> but like, I, I think that he kind of taps into some sort of like universal emotional resonance or something with all of his work and i feel like habit's no different um i just find it like such a kind of empathetic movie i don't really know how to how to like articulate it but i feel like you care about so many of the characters in that film in a way that vampire movies and horror movies don't normally do like you normally get like your final girl you're rooting for or something but to actually have like here's a community of people and Mm. you really have feelings and emotions about all of them and sort of genuine concern for, say, the Larry Fessenden character. Um, and you can feel the friend's genuine concern for that yeah. as, mm. you know, it's really, you know, this lovable train wreck. But um, maybe, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about this film that I can't really explain that just really hits me. So, yeah, yeah I'm wondering, what did you see? Well, you uh, one of the things I noticed most about it is it's not afraid to just lean right into the vampire tropes in this mm. kind of, like, kind of a cheesy way almost yeah. where there's this bit early on where the vampire character grabs Larry Fessenden's character Sam on the shoulder and she's got a Nosferatu claw and she yeah. doesn't like garlic and she can't come into his house without being invited like it's cute yeah, yeah. but then it's also not afraid to be really sincere mm. about the, how um like you said how much empathy you have for these characters not just Sam but also the character yeah. Anna yeah. who is the vampire character she seems really lonely Completely. And, like, all she wants to do is, basically, she's cursed. She wants to just have someone with her in that situation. That's why she goes after Sam so strongly. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's just, like, it's it doesn't. It's a movie without a villain, kind of. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And, I, like, I won't spoil the ending, but I think, like, the ending is just something you don't really see um, a lot in horror movies. Like, it is, it's very, like, interior and personal in a mm. way that you kind of don't get out of your typical horror movie. And I think that's something I just love about Fessenden and all this sort of like extended glass eye picks gang and Kelly Reichardt stuff and everything else that mm-hmm. has come out of that. Um, yeah. It really kind of like makes that idea of vampirism like real in a modern setting mm. and how, because I feel like so many modern vampire movies and shows, they're kind of glamorous yeah, and they're really sexy. Like we were talking about, this one's not sexy. It's that full is. of sex. It's really not sexy. It's really kind of repulsive in that you kind of have this feeling about what that concept would really be like. Mm. And and I guess more broadly than just like feasting on someone's blood, kind of taking somebody's life force or being dependent on somebody. Mm. Um, yeah, it just kind of hit me as like, this is fucking disgusting. And it, <laughs> it would be disgusting. Like, yeah. It, 
know. Yeah, totally. But like at the same time, it's like I I totally understand how I've I've been in a bad relationship. My friend's been in a bad relationship. There is this sort of parasitic thing, and I I, I think it taps it. It yeah. taps it beautifully. Like you understand yourself in the disgust, and maybe that's yes. for me. That's where it hits, right? Like yeah. And so. I feel like the characters really understand the situation that they're in and the yeah. world that they're in. Like I love when his best friend says something like vampires don't exist and that's a shame they would provide much diversion from the miseries of life <laughs> that's how i felt watching these fucking movies every day that's all i'm doing <laughs> yeah so we watched another movie with a kind of gr- mid-90s gritty new york vibe which was it's it's similar in a lot of ways but it's also really different is the yeah. addiction yeah. by abel ferreira um this one is another, it taps into what I think is another really common theme with the vampires. It's where it kind of goes hand in hand with the sex thing, but often the, the blood is an addiction. Mm-hmm. And it's, this one is very clearly, the title is The Addiction. It's about drug use. So yeah. yeah. What'd you guys get from this one? Oh. I, it's such a, it's like a lesbian movie. Like so many of these vampire movies are at their core. Yeah. And that was really exciting for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I, just, I love it. I, I think it's another beautiful grot film from Ferrara as well. Yeah. Like the the dirtiness in New York really kind of shines through. Yes. In a really beautiful way. But yeah, I, I love the addiction metaphor and not so metaphor in this as mm-hmm. well. Um, and that beautiful, beautiful like um grayscale kind of palette to the whole thing. It's just mm. so gorgeous. It is really pretty. Yeah. This and Habit had something in common in that they both explicit explicitly linked shitting with not being a vampire like they both make reference to <laughs> i didn't notice that i didn't notice that oh. either incredible okay <laughs> so vampires don't shit yeah i guess not no they don't if you don't eat they don't we, eat yeah, they yeah. don't do anything human and like both of these movies like <laughs> mention shitting as something that is really like linked with being human and maybe a source of pride if vampires are like this kind of subhuman thing which i think mm. a lot of vampire movies raise vampires up to be this like ideal this like sexy like immortal ideal but these movies totally. in these movies they're kind of they are below yep. being human they, they can't even like shoot yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> well i think shooting is really boring so i'd love that <laughs> um yeah that's interesting what you said about vampires being beneath humans because i'm gonna have i'm gonna reminisce about university as well and, mm-hmm. and studying film we studied uh, evocations of the monstrous or whatever some bullshit and we started with the, the 1931 Dracula, and then the next step was to compare that to Twilight. Right. And cool. after watching all these, I was like, you're missing so much in the middle of that, mm. like yes. like Habit and the Addiction, where the vampire is like, is a piece of shit, <laughs> you know? Like, yep. we can't just have sexy Dracula and then sexy Edward Cullen. You've got to explore more than that. Well, so. didn't you think that the man in Habit was sexy? Yeah, but yeah, in a different everyone's kind of way. sexy in their own ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like everyone's sexy in habit, but like the sexy of the obscene. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah, yeah the profane. Yeah, it's grotty, like, like yeah. you said. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not sparkling um, foundation vampires, and there's a place for them too, sure. Like, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found even going back to those early ones, Dracula, and we all watched the Brides of Dracula, mm. which um, Crystal was not a big fan of, but anyway. Um, the even those older movies, there's a there's a hint of um, what's the word I'm looking for, like um, subversiveness, queerness, um, mm. like the Brides of Dracula, 
this guy, um, who is not Dracula, by the way, his name is Baron Meister. He's the main villain of the thing. He he sucks blood indiscriminately. Women, men, his own mother. And then when he does do that to his own mother, everyone's like, oh my God. Like, it's not, it's one thing to suck people's blood, but if you do it to your own mum, that's fucked it's up. It's clearly a yeah. sexual yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah totally. Also, his mum was a, such a bad bitch. So I also I felt that way. Her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I think that the vampire has always been a bit queer. Yes. Um, mm. They're like allowed, like male vampires are allowed this like sexual fluidity yeah. and like this flamboyant melodramatic flair that other monsters just are never allowed. Yeah, totally. Like he was such a pretty boy. He was put together. Yeah, you great know? hair. Yeah. Great hair. <laughs> great sets as well. Let's yeah. not talk about the sets and the the beautiful colorization on that stuff. It's, well. I think it's, it's like a really insane. beautiful movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of interesting you mentioned that because I'm just racking my brain now. There's not many other creatures that ha- are given sexual agency no. at all mm, in horror. That's like, true. I guess it's like succubuses or something, mm. but like it's always kind of associated with like the big bad evil, whereas like vampires, there's something alluring. Yeah, that, and I they're kind of yeah. like a community. Yeah, yeah, homies. Yeah, <laughs> they've got their own stuff going on. Like yeah. I, I'm not totally sure we should be persecuting them. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel that comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, I remember when I watched Habit, I sent you a message, Scott, saying that I like it, but I wish it was a little bit more like 90 Day Fiancé. Did you have that same kind of um, feeling? I've never watched 90 Day Fiancé. Have you watched 90 Day Fiancé? Yeah, yeah. I guess, <laughs> there's no big Ed stand-in for sure. No. And um, yeah, I don't know. That, that would honestly maybe get a bit too domestic for me. You think I so? Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't <laughs> think there should like be like a, a Transylvanian person on 90 Day Fiancé who's like involved with someone? I mean, it would be cool if they... They've definitely had people like partner swapping on that already. It would be cool if they had a vampire partner swapping with like seven people yes. within the, the context of the <laughs> end of season talk show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be pretty tight. But, yeah. um... <laughs> well, the promiscuity also makes me think that like we've we've kind of touched on how a lot of these stories are kind of allegories for addiction but i think there also seems to be something in there about like sexually transmitted disease specifically hiv yeah um and some of these movies made me feel like are these like predecessors to movies like it follows like it seems like there's something in there about that yeah like i noticed in the addiction um after just after she's bitten the main character i think her name's lily um goes to the doctor and one of the first things i say to her is don't worry you definitely don't have hiv like Mm-hmm. Mm. AIDS and HIV changes the entire way of reading a vampire yeah. movie. Yeah, I think. completely. Um, I was reading this article, the one I mentioned before, um, by uh, Carlin Levine, and I just I love this quote. I have to read this out. Um, the vampire is a subversive creature in every way, and I think this accounts for much of his appeal. In an age where moralists use the fact that sex is dangerous to prove that sex is bad, the vampire points out that sex has always been dangerous. These days, if you wish to make love to someone without a layer of latex separating your most sensitive membranes, it becomes necessary to ask yourself, would I be willing to die a slow, lingering death for this person? The answer may be yes, but for the vampire, it's not even an issue. He laughs in the face of sex and he lives forever. So That sounds like a lot of people I've met on Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) True, but I think what this person's going for, this was uh, a quote from Poppy Z. Bright, which is a great name, um, was like, the vampire in fiction can kind of become kind of this utopian thing for mm-hmm. queer people where you can, you don't have to worry about the population being decimated by HIV and, and all that. Yeah, like, it's mm. like the salve to all those, like, campaigns and, and fear-mongering, I guess. Yeah. Mm. 
And that's kind of the vibe I got from uh, Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. Um, it's got this beautiful, like, like a chosen family kind of vibe. Yeah. And then a really beautiful ending that sort of implies that there's a, there's a good life awaiting them. Mm. And that's so interesting because I was on um, a Wikipedia. Hell yeah. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Such a cool site. It's great for doing research. Um, anyway, they, uh, <laughs> the people over at Wikipedia were saying that um, Bram Stoker was a closeted gay man and a friend of Oscar Wilde, and he wrote Dracula at the time that like Oscar Wilde had just been sentenced to like years of hard oh, labor for sodomy. Yeah, right. And so this was like a, a personal kind of anxiety of his watching somebody else in his position be persecuted for that. Um, and I think it probably did find its way in there even yeah. back then. Is friend of Oscar Wilde a euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> Is he, you know, a friend of Oscar Wilde? Yeah. Let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I haven't read Dracula in a long time. I'm sure if I went back to it, I would see that in there. Mm. Um, but yeah, like watching the 1931 Bela Lugosi version, he's pretty indiscriminate on who he attacks. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, you know, he's got this weird dub song. It's not dub song. S- Wait, what is it? Dom sub. <laughs> <laughs> he's got oh, this. I'm sorry, you're not familiar with those terms. Who, yeah. who, who's who's Dom sub? <laughs> <laughs> um, with the character Renfield, who kind of becomes his little slave, and oh, that's kind of a, a theme in a lot of these. Vampire movies too is they've got a little helper. Yes, um, I think on the Dom Sub stuff as well is like definitely a sort of um, BDSM aspect to even just the notion mm. of drinking blood totally. and like you know the profane sex acts again. Yeah, yeah. Else, which is very cool and yeah, especially I think those the the nineties ones we were talking about really play with that yes. a lot a lot more than other stuff. Which yeah, it's probably just I feel like it's one of those things that like when you download that app that you like share it with your partner and it asks you like would you be willing to like you know eat their socks or whatever and then you do like yes or no <laughs> and eat then, their socks <laughs> that's the first sexual thing i could think of um <laughs> i'm actually a really sexual person um and then it shares with them like what you both said yes to so it doesn't shame you it, you always get a question like that like would you drink their blood or whatever like it's always stuff like that i think that's a really it, can't you get sick from that um no i like i think you can do it so i don't know i don't uh, fucking know from using the the apps to mediate sexual interaction (laughs) yeah yeah, i think you can get pretty sick from that (laughs) um i do have a a sexy psa though on tubi our favorite streaming service there's a lot of vampire homoerotica that i found hell yeah is it like 1313 like david dakota stuff what are we talking (laughs) um well there's like a franchise called vampire boys hell yeah so you could work your way through those there's a lot of topless men it looks like a great time is this like softcore or hardcore? I don't know if Tubi does hardcore. Yeah, it must yeah. be softcore. True, it's true. the good stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the people working at Tubi have a bit of a bit of class. Absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely. Very classy <laughs> streaming service. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was also going to say that I kind of the way Dracula in particular kind of, um, and also in the Brides of Dracula with Baron Munst, whatever his fucking name is, the way they kind of. Um, they, they're gaslighters, all of them, don't you reckon? Yes. Mm. You know, a relationship with a vampire is an abusive relationship. It's yep. kind of like, you know how I've always wanted to date a magician? <laughs> this <Yeah>. is crazy. <laughs> I'm sure you've mentioned this before on the podcast. Yeah, because I'm trying to put it out there so people know. But um, Magicians, crystal at spookybitchgang.com. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to date a magician, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, maybe that's not a great idea. 
mm. you know, because I think I already can get played too easily and they got a lot of tricks up their sleeves. Literally. And a vampire would be the same. Like, you'd never <laughs> know. Like, it, it would be enticing, but the whole time you got to wonder because they can look you in the eyes and make you do shit. Yeah, and yeah. unless you're doing some poly stuff, they're going to cheat on you for sure. Yes. And also they're going to kill you. You're going to die, probably. Yeah, or never die. <laughs> or never die. Both terrible options. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, all men are liars and vampires yeah. just have more ability to lie. So. Yeah, yeah, there's better liars. <laughs> and it's cooler and you're cooler with it. I don't know. Yeah, they are pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe it is a good idea. <laughs> a vampire is not a magician. It's not oh, the same it's thing. Similar. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah. I think it's similar. Yeah. Similar kind of profession. Well, yeah. anyway, I read this thing. Um, <laughs> I read this thing somewhere that someone in like uh, Central Florida, uh, University of Central Florida, um, a physics professor wrote a paper saying that it's uh, mathematically impossible for vampires to exist. Get fucked. So, oh, based on what? <laughs> the the maximum age that a person has ever been recorded at. <laughs> oh yeah, true. Well, yeah. he looked at like he looked at somebody. He did a conservative estimate of a one vampire just drinking the blood of one person per okay. month, and then how many people that would infect, and then everyone would have been vampires in like two years. Wow, just like zombie apocalypse. Yeah. But what about uh, Interview with a Vampire where we've got uh, Brad Pitt sucking the blood of rats to stay alive? Oh, Very yeah, sickly or in style. Twilight they eat deer. You yeah. should contact this man at the University of Central yeah, I'm going to get him kicked out of university. Yeah. He's like, done. He's going <laughs> to lose his Bro, have you heard of rats? Yeah, dude. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's really interesting because I also read that back in the day, you know, in the olden days, um, mm. the plague and syphilis and all that was always blamed on vampires. So I think we should go back to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you yeah. think COVID was caused by vampires? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's yeah, an interesting. Hot take. Yeah. Makes more <laughs> sense Scott. than like a pangolin or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> there are definitely crazier ideas out well, there. It was a. Don't people say it was a bat? I. Oh, oh. oh shit. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> COVID destroyed. <laughs> Actually, I think that's a myth, but yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. I love bats. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> I'd like to be one, I think. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Ganja and Hess? <laughs> yes, we can talk about Ganja and Hess. Because that was like, I think that's my favorite movie now of all time. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. So, it was so good. <laughs> Ganja and Hess is, uh, would you call it a black exploitation movie? No. A lot of people do call it black exploitation, but I'm okay. like, it's not Blackula. It's not Sweet Sweet well, Backs. I read song. that it was, it was like sold to the producers as it was going to be black exploitation ah, right. because that was making a lot of money. And yeah. then it wasn't. And then they were really pissed off. And that's why it got buried for a long time. Right. right. So this is by Bill Garnett. It's from 1973. And I think it didn't actually see a wide release until 1980, but I could be wrong. Crazy. Um, so it's a pretty experimental movie. It's really yeah. hard to sum up. Um, there was a remake by Spike Lee that I I think I've talked about before on the pod, yeah. and and uh, Felix said you you've seen. Yeah, I really like the remake. I haven't seen Gondra and Hess. Sorry, I'll turn my cinephile card in. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of the Spike Lee version, but I liked Gondra and Hess a lot. So. Yeah, yeah, I think I liked how messy the Spike Lee version was. It like, was it, it's almost like shot for TV style Gondra yeah. and Hess. And oh, like, I've I gotta see it. I didn't know it was a remake either until oh, they started right. calling each other Gondra and Hess, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Right. I guess. <laughs> I guess I'll knock Gondra and Hess off the watch list. <laughs> I just watched it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of about the black diaspora in America mm. and it's about capital and, and mm. wealth and mm -hmm. it's a it's a really, yeah. really difficult movie to sum up. What did you get out of it? I think it's I think it's about a lot of things. Yeah. Um it is really experimental in the way that it's shot and the music is like one of the best soundtracks, mm. I think. Um I think it's about 
um, yeah, like assimilation, the pressures of like assimilating, yeah. the pressures of like belonging to like a black community. I think it's also about gender in this really interesting way that I think a lot of these movies are. Um, Marlena Clark plays Ganja and she is like... The baddest bitch. The, yeah, just like a revelation. Um, I felt like as soon as she's on screen, she just embodies the true spirit of a vampire. She sucks you in. She seduces you. Like, mm. I was ready to for her to bite my neck, do whatever she wants with me. <laughs> Through the screen, like, the actual actress, I was like, I don't care. That's close enough. Like, she's incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of made me realize something, like a trend of these films, is that men, men who are vampires seem kind of condemned to be vampires or seem to be wanting to escape vampirism, which is what Hess is doing yeah. in this situation. Um, whereas for women, it seems like a pretty viable option. Like a lot of the women who are vampires, who become vampires, seem pretty happy with it. We yeah. get that kind of dichotomy in the addiction as well with Christopher Walken's character, mm. who's really like resisting it. Um, but for women, I feel like being a vampire gives you kind of a freedom and a power and immortality that actually is really just, that's kind of what, we want. That's the answer to that Richard Gere movie. <laughs> That's what we're all thinking. I thought that was about. Mel Gibson. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I think they're all the same. <laughs> it yeah, could have yeah. been Harrison Ford for all I know. Yeah, no, I've got a lot of thoughts about what women want in the movie. <laughs> Very good movie. Yeah, we'll do another episode specifically about all yeah. about what women want. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ganjan Hess, I, I totally agree with you. That like that ending is so powerful because of the way the two characters they're yes. hard split. And the character of Hess, um, I was reading an article by Manthea Diawara and Phyllis Klotman that says, the film indicts Hess Green's very wealth and class position as vampirism. And I, I think I buy into that. He's he's attacking people who are kind of below him in social status. I think at one point, a prostitute. Um, in the remake, I think there's a single mother that he yeah, preys on. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. And yeah, he's, he's kind of, he's, he's aware that he's a black man. He mentions mm. at one point, He's the only black person in a very white community. Mm. So if a if a black man's body shows up, he's obviously suspect number one. But he kind of um, he cannibalizes his own roots. The way he mm. displays African art in his house mm-hmm. and 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 stuff like that. I think the three of us possibly are not the most equipped to comment on this movie. Mm. But um, yeah, just it, one thing that I found really interesting was the link to organized religion in this yes. movie because um, his driver is also a preacher. And at the movie's climax, Hess decides he doesn't want to be a vampire anymore and he goes to church where, you know, it's a very um, kind of euphoric kind of scene. And he is literally and figuratively, he's below this preacher. He's kind of supplicated to him. And I think that's really interesting the way the it kind of positions him as where before he's been wealthy, he's had servants and stuff like that. Now he's just below this man. He's kind of unimportant. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of um, yeah. He he knows that he has to give himself up basically to to God, right? And he yeah. has that like it's interesting that we have that tether of the church to the community, um, in in this movie. But Ganja has she doesn't want any part of that. Yeah, like she's happy with her new life and like. Why the fuck wouldn't you be? <laughs> like, I feel like it is such, it's such an answer to, um, yeah, just I guess the powerlessness of human existence for women at that time, now, 
at the time that all these movies were made. <laughs> yeah. Um, it kind of rem- like it kind of reminds me of the ending of The Witch, where mm. in a world where your alternatives aren't great, something like turning into a monster like that's not really that scary. I don't yeah. think it's not monstrous anymore. No, it's- it reminds me of like when I spoke to my grandma one time about how like when when she was young, you kind of had to get married because that was the only semblance of freedom that a woman could get. Right. And like, if until you're married, you belong to your father. So even though you're still entering into this situation where you're not really in control, like it buys you a little bit of freedom. Mm-hmm. And now ganja has got this hectic mansion True. and this hot guy. She finessed that. <laughs> <laughs> She's an icon. <laughs> Plus her name is Ganja, which is fucking excellent. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also just like, I feel like even though these these movies are really centered around the body, becoming a vampire kind of frees you from the corporeal. Like mm. you are no longer firstly, like you're not aging. You don't have to shit. You don't have to <laughs> shit anymore and you can't die. And like, f- like, you know, for places where women die like a lot, especially at the hands of their male partners or like tragically young, that's really alluring. Like women are constantly kind of reminded of, just how like how much they are their bodies to the world yeah and i think a freedom from that concept would be really welcome and i think that's why all these movies like the women seem pretty happy ever since like dracula's daughter who's dracula's daughter that was like the movie after after dracula oh yeah okay well it's a lady (laughs) (laughs) all right i haven't seen that one yeah (laughs) (laughs) well we watched another movie centered around the black diaspora which was vampire in brooklyn which has a very different ending where angela bassett rejects vampirism what do you have to say to that (laughs) (laughs) yeah in that case she does i mean her context is really different and the movie is a very different movie to a lot of these movies (laughs) yes um but in in some ways i think it kind of does kind of like step off the back of a movie like blackula where it's like a it's kind of I mean, that is a black exploitation movie, but it's also like when um, I talked about this before when I went to that festival, wherever the fuck I went, and I watched um, <laughs> Horror Noir. Um, oh, yeah, true. And they talk about how that Blackula was really important because it was an opportunity to show this like character of a villain who is this black man who's really educated and well spoken and like. Eddie Murphy's so fucking hot in this movie. <laughs> like, he's really sexy. He's a monster, but to be a to be a vampire is not really to be a monster in, in the sense that we normally understand it. Yeah. He's just so hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the, the character of the vampire complicates what a villain is because yeah. on the outside, it's, it's a human being. It's someone who can be turned into a vampire. And all these movies have a different approach to how the character themselves feels about their own act of sucking blood. Like, in the early ones, they love it. They live for it. And then in later ones, there's all this shame associated with it, especially in the addiction where Lily's trying so hard to rationalize her own guilt and shame. So, yeah, it's a really interesting sort of um, trajectory the genre's gone on. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. It's really kind of, like, played with that idea a lot. I guess they kind of match the paradigm they exist in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, 30s, very free-wheeling re- in cinema. Everything's like, go, go, go. You know, <laughs> at the cultural forefront. And then, you know, 90s, we're looking at shame. Yeah. How does this reflect yes. back on us? How do we feel about ourselves within the world, you know, more broadly? 
kind of, I guess, grappling with reality a bit of existence. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> no, that was great. Yeah, that's great. Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Keep that one in. <laughs> I reckon we nailed it. Yeah. I'm interested to see like what kind of vampire movies we're going to start making now. Mm. I feel like it might be something that's going to... Because there, there are a lot of vampires around right now, but they're not really in horror movies very much. Yeah. I know, like, isn't your boyfriend making one? A Nosferatu? What's his name? Who's my boyfriend? The man who made... Uh, uh, you should know Ro- this. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Eggers? Oh, my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> he's he, my boyfriend too. Yeah. He's all our boyfriends. Um, you, he, you can have him. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he is making... Uh, I thought he was making some like medieval epic. I thought he was making a, like a version of Nosferatu. Oh, is he? I don't know. I oh. thought he was. He Good, might not be. Bit of column A, bit of column B. Yeah. yeah. Who, who yeah. knows? Yeah. Someone flame me if I'm wrong. But I think <laughs> I think that's true. I think I've read something like that. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that rings a bell. You know what I really want to do soon? I want to do an episode of um, German horror. Because there's some really weird, weird yeah. shit over there. The other day I was thinking I need to rewatch The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. So, All right, great let's opportunity. Let's schedule it. Yeah. yeah. That movie's sick. It is. You should do a yeah. festival of just like weird German horror movies. They're all public domain. It'd be very easy. Let's do it. Very doable. <laughs> yeah, spooky bitch gang, German fest. Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. It's happening. Freaky. We'll come up with the name later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do a little bit more Duolingo and then I'll fucking have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Cool. I got nothing else I to say. I feel like we really cracked it, <laughs> yeah, honestly. No, we like no. we always do. Yeah, we solved it. Geniuses. Yeah. We know all yeah. about it. We couldn't have done it without you, Felix. Thanks very much. I think I was more a hindrance, but you know what? I'll <laughs> no, take it. I'll take the full praise. I know this was all me. I carried it on my back. You did. It yeah, was yeah. really good to have like a special guest vampire here in the flesh with us to, so, to talk through. <laughs> 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 thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for not putting up the mirrors, uh, <laughs> keeping the garlic at bay. And... I did have garlic for lunch. I'm sorry. Uh, that's all right. As long as the pizza's not here, anyway, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, as we as we said in the beginning, um, Dreamscapes is happening. This it's starting this coming Friday, but there is a special little secret screening on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, go to the Static Vision website. Just Google Static Vision. You'll find something. Yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah. there. I don't know. Hit, hit our <laughs> maybe, socials. Maybe go to the yeah. Go to the social because I googled Static Vision and it was telling me about like vision problems. Yeah, True. yeah, I get that as so well. Don't do that. I haven't quite worked out SEO yet. It's it's gonna come later. SEO is complicated. Films first. SEO later. Whatever. All right, great. Um, cool. We'll see you next time, I guess. Yeah. And oh, Siri, shut the fuck up. Siri, and let us know if you want us to do any special episodes or whatever, or if you love us and you want to date us. <laughs> or if you know any magicians. Yeah. Magicians hit us up. Yeah. Put it in the subject line, magician <laughs> for crystal. Yeah. <laughs> um, just kidding, I have a boyfriend. Yeah. And he listens to this. I have a boyfriend too, his name's Robert Eggers. <laughs> <laughs> and he's <Okay>. a magician. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you, Felix. Thank you very much for having me. I've had a great time. Good. And thanks, listeners. All right, thank you. We love you. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>